0: Hey, uh, I always love getting out to the different campuses to speak. It's been a while since I've been here at Romeo, but always great to see uh, friends and then meet new people. How many have not heard me when I've been here at Romeo, just to get an idea? Great, well, well, wonderful to see the growth here at the campus. Excited about your new building. Real quick, what we do in baseball chapel, it's, uh, we're not paid by the team, it's a ministry to the team, but every Sunday during the season I get to go to Comerica Park and we'll do four chapel services. We'll do one for stadium workers, uh, vendors, uh, security people have to be there early. We'll do a little chapel service for them. Then we'll do one for the Tigers, and so uh, the players, coaches. Uh, it's all voluntary, of course. Uh, some retired guys like a Willie Horton, Al Kaline, Jim Price if they're around. And then we'll do one for the visiting team. And then the last one is for the umpires. Go down to the umpires room, there's four umps at a big league game. Any of those four that want to have a chapel service, we'll do one for them. Really a pretty cool chapel. We get to use the Braille Bibles, and it's neat, and uh, <laughs> that's not true. Um, I love the umps. I love the umps to death. I really got to know them well, and I really respect what they do. It's not an easy job. Their lifestyle stuff. They never have a home game. They're always on the road. Uh, I like I liken our technicians back there, the sound and the video folks, to umpires. Uh, we never notice they're there until something messes up, right, and we always turn around and say, who's back there, uh, I wonder who's doing it. Let's give them a hand for working back there, would you? <clears throat> and uh, so that happens with every ball team, major league, minor league, every major league guy oversees all the minor league teams, so I oversee Toledo, uh, Grand Rapids, Erie, Pennsylvania, Norwich, Connecticut, Lakeland, Florida, team in the Dominican Republic. So just pray for that ministry as you think of it. Wonderful group of guys on the team who love Christ, some searching, and uh, really neat, the Bible studies and things we've done. My background's pastoring, so anything I've done in the pastoring context, I've done uh, in this context as well with these guys. I want to show you a baseball video. Uh, A few years ago, Major League Baseball picked their top 100 plays of all time and I want to show you one that fits uh, this weekend in particular with it being uh, Memorial Day weekend. So let's uh, show this video, guys. Uh, How many of you remember that? Great. Uh, How many didn't know that TV was was once in black and white? Um, You know, he makes a great statement toward the end of that. He says, uh, if that's all you're known for. Can I ask you today what you're known for? That's what we want to talk about today. What is your identity? How do you identify yourself? And uh, there's a story in the Bible. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn as we read it. Uh, if not, uh, the text is right there in your bulletin, so you can read along there. Uh, and it's a passage that really is divided into two parts. The first is, uh, the first part we'll look at is uh, identifying who Jesus is. How do you identify Jesus Christ in your life? Who is he to you? And so if you have a Bible with you, uh, and you look in Matthew chapter 16, uh, follow, along, follow along, if you would, as I read Matthew 16, uh, beginning at verse 13. It says, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. Now, let's just stop there and do a quick, hopefully meaningful geography lesson. Uh, let's say this room was the nation of Israel, uh, Bible times as well as present day. Uh, let's say I'm standing in Jerusalem, and so uh, this is in the southern part of Israel. North would be that way. Over to the west would be the Mediterranean Sea, and then out here uh, to the east would be uh, eventually uh, Iraq, Iran, and so forth. And so in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem going north 90 miles, uh, you would get to the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus grew up. Uh, The Dead Sea would be right down here by Jerusalem. The Jordan River would connect it to the Sea of Galilee, 85, 90 miles to the north. Uh, 25 miles to the north of Galilee. So let's say the Sea of Galilee is where the back of this auditorium is. Uh, 25 miles to the north, so out by the front doors, uh, is where Caesarea Philippi was. And Caesarea Philippi was a district, but it really was a city. uh, And it was built on a mountain, Mount Hernan. Uh, Mount Hermon. And uh, Mount Hermon sat 25 miles north of Galilee. It was about a 7,000 foot mountain. So on a clear day you could see it. Uh, And it kind of loomed over the northern part of Israel. About 1,100 feet up on that mountain there was a plateau. And um, one of the leaders at that time in that region, a guy named Philip, uh, built a city in honor of Caesar there. Remember Rome uh, the Roman Empire dominated Israel; they controlled it. It was an occupied territory, and so Philip built a, a city up on that plateau to kind of honor Caesar, and it also served as a reminder: to all the people of Israel kind of loomed over them, like, "Hey, don't ever forget who rules over you. Don't ever forget who's in charge of this world." That's kind of was the message being set. So he names it Caesarea in honor of Caesar, and. Um, and there was another Caesarea over on, this, on the Mediterranean. So he said, well, i got to identify it and make it different. So guess what he did? He said, I'll call it Caesarea, but I'll call it Philippi as well. Caesarea Philippi. Kind of named it after himself, right? And uh, so that was the city. And remember, the Roman Empire said, if you say that anyone other than Caesar is God, uh, you can be put to death. And so it's in that district where Jesus is with his disciples that this little story takes place. Um, goes on to say then uh, in verse uh, 14, uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He identified himself as the Son of Man that was one of the titles of Jesus. He says, hey, what's the word? Who do people say that I am? And remember, if you said in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is God, you could be killed. He says, hey, wh- who do people say that I am around here? And look what the answer they give is. Uh, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. All good people. You'd be flattered to be named, uh, to be likened to one of them. And, um, but none of them, none, the word wasn't, hey, he's the one true God. Remember, Caesarea Philippi, they'll kill you if you say that in that territory, or they could. And uh, so uh, all the people that, uh, all all the names that were given that people were saying about Christ were great people, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist. And you know what I find is true then and true now? A lot of people are very good at flattering Jesus. He's a good teacher. Man, there's a lot of good sayings. Uh, And maybe you're like that. And uh, you know, Jesus, I'm not sure who he is, but I think he's a good guy, And so it's easy to just flatter Jesus. The story goes on then to say this uh, in uh, verse number 15. Jesus said to them, so he's saying now to the crowd, to his disciples, he said to them, "Uh, but who do you, and the word you is plural there, who do you say that I am? You know, that's a great question to ask, and I'm going to ask it to everyone here today. Uh, Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And I'm asking everyone in this room that question. That's what Jesus did. He said to them, who do all of you say that I am? And folks, that is the single most important question you need to answer in this life. Because you know what? To identify who Jesus Christ is, or to not to identify who Jesus Christ is, determines your destiny for eternity. It's it's huge, it's the single most important question you're ever faced with. Who is Jesus Christ? And so he asked that to the group. Now, look who speaks up. And if you're a little familiar with the disciples, you would have put money on this guy speaking up. It's Peter. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Nailed it. He nailed it. You talk about the best answer, the only answer you could. there it is. Peter, in that little statement, said, you know, everything in the Old Testament that talked about a Messiah, a promised one, the anointed one, Jesus, you're him. And I believe it. Wow. That was the uh, turning point in Peter's life. In his heart, in his mind, in his thinking, he properly identified who Jesus Christ was to him. And have you done that yet? It is the most important question you're ever gonna answer in life. And if you don't answer it in life, it's too late to answer it after you die. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? You can flatter him. Oh, good teacher. A lot of good quotes. Uh, Some people kind of forget about him. Well, I I got no time for that. But you know what? The person like Peter here who finds him will be blessed. Look what it says next. After, After Peter says that, Jesus then says, Blessed are you. The word you there in that statement is singular. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It's a spiritual thing. God the Father, Peter, showed this to you. He called you, and you responded, and you've identified who I am. I asked all of you the question. Peter, you alone answered it, and Peter, you alone Right now, are the one blessed by it. What a great example and lesson for us. You know, I ask that question to everybody here, but you have to answer it individually. Your family can't answer it. Your spouse can't answer it. <coughs> Excuse me. Your church can't answer it. That's a question you have to answer. Who is Jesus Christ? I know many of you here have answered that question, like Peter did. He's the Son of God. He's the savior of the world. I've received him as my savior. But you know what? If you've not answered that question yet, boy, you can't go on hoping to spend eternity in heaven until you answer that question correctly for yourself. And I encourage you to do it today. I I grew up in this area. My dad was an executive with Ford Motor Company. Uh, We lived over in the West Bloomfield area. Went to Andover High School. Now it's called Bloomfield Hills High School after it merged with Losher. And I didn't grow up in church. Uh, We had a good family. Never went to church, folks, growing up. Sundays were a lot of fun day for us. A boat on the lake, a play some sports, watch sports on TV, Uh, late at night do just enough homework to be ready for school on Monday. Uh, That was uh, our Sunday. It was a great day. And um, and, uh, so I'm in ninth grade. I mean, we never went to church. I'd been to a funeral, maybe a wedding, and it just didn't mean a thing to me. And so in ninth grade, a librarian at my public high school gives me a book to read about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I really knew nothing about the first coming. And I'm reading a book about the second coming. And, um, and I talked about the rapture. How many of you know what that word means? The rapture. When Christians will be caught up to meet Christ in the air. I'm like reading this going, whoa. I never heard this before in my life. What is this guy smoking, man? What is he on? People disappearing. But he planted a seed in my heart. About nine months later, two friends of mine, still buddies of mine today, were getting together one Tuesday night. I said, hey, you guys want to hang out tonight? And they kind of brushed me off, kind of hemmed and hawed. And I said, well, what are you guys doing tonight? And they didn't want to tell me. And finally, you know, I pressed and they uh, relented. They said, well, we're, we're doing a Bible study. They thought I'd make fun of them. And I said, man, I got some questions. I'd like to come to that. And it was one of those, like, after they got up the floor moments, you know, like, You, you want to come to that? So I got in my car that night, a Tuesday night, drove to Telegraph and Maple, that intersection if you know it. Southwest corner, there was a strip mall, there was a bookstore in there then. I didn't own a Bible. Go into the bookstore, I said, i like to buy a Bible, please. The lady says, well, which one? (laughs) (laughs) She's losing me. I'm just trying to, you know, figure this out. Uh, I don't know what she means, versions and all that. So I say, uh, I don't want to let on that I don't get it. So I said, uh, the one by God. (laughs) that's <laughs> the truth she laughed as well and uh, she was politer than a few of you were but uh, she laughed got me a bible go to my friend's house he says turn to John 1 I knew from English class front of every book table of contents I found John I'm like I'll fit in and you know maybe you're like that here today you're like man first time here at church I haven't been in church in a long time you're at a great place folks because you can do what I got to do that night. I got to ask a lot of questions. The first one was, what do these numbers on the page mean? Because I didn't even know what chapters and verses meant. And, uh, and guys answered questions. And then as a result of that night, the days that followed, reading a lot of stuff they gave me, <clears throat> looking them all up in the Bible, see it for myself, I came to the place where I, I identified in my life who Jesus Christ is to me. The savior of the world, the son of God, uh, the Lord, uh, the one who alone can forgive sin. And that's the greatest day of my life like Peter did here. And I'm asking you today, have you identified who Christ is to you? Uh, when you do, you're blessed. You're blessed for eternity with a home in heaven. Doesn't mean life will be perfect, but you're blessed because you have a hope now that heaven is your home and you can never, that can never be taken from you. I hope you've trusted Christ as your Savior and that you've identified him And who he is. You know, we could stop the message right now. And we'd go, amen, right? I know who Christ is to me. Uh, But the story doesn't stop there. I I almost expect it to. But look what it says next. After Peter identifies who Jesus is, look what it says next. uh, Down in uh, verse number, uh, where are we at here? Uh, 18. Jesus is speaking. And he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, when I read that initially, I kind of chuckle for a moment, because if I'm Peter, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Jesus, I didn't ask. <laughs> like, what are you getting into my business for? You asked me to tell me who you were, but I didn't ask you to get into my life and start telling me who I am. But you know what, folks? That's exactly how it is when you identify Christ correctly and say he's my savior, he's the son of God, he's my Lord. You know what it gives him the right to do and we ought to want him to do it? Is now he gets to tell us who we are. When I identify him for who he is and when I identify him correctly, uh, not the man upstairs, not my lucky rabbit's foot, But when I understand He's the Savior of the world, He gave His life on the cross for me. You know what that gives Him the right to do, and I want Him to do. Hey, Jesus, now you tell me who I am, and you identify my life for me, because we so often can get messed up in thinking of what is my life and why am I here and what is my life all about. And Jesus said, "I'm going to tell you, Peter, you're the rock." And upon you, I I know what I want to do. I've identified what I want you to do in life. I want you to build my church. And if you read the book of Acts, the first 12 chapters, guess who the key human figure is? It's Peter. And now others follow them, but Peter was the guy at the beginning of the book of Acts. And so, folks, how do we let Jesus then identify who we are? And it's so important because when we identify him, it determines our eternal destiny. When we let him identify us, it determines our direction in life. Who I marry, where I live, what I do, how I serve, all of it, he determines it. We can often get messed up by identifying self on ourselves on the wrong things. <clears throat> Men do this especially, but really all of us do. We identify ourselves by what we do, don't we? You see a group of guys get together, and they're meeting for the first time, and usually the first, well, what do you do? I do that all the time, well, what do you do? Um, You ever see four guys talking, maybe, or gals? One says, well, I'm a doctor, and I do this for a living, and I'm a a surgeon, I I do heart surgery. Another guy says, I'm a lawyer, got a big practice downtown. Third guy says, I'm an architect. Have you seen the building I, I designed? Last guy says, I'm just a factory worker. What's the key word in the statement he just made? Just. We identify ourselves sometimes too big and then sometimes too little by what we do for a living. And you know what God says? That's not how I identify you. Uh, Job's important. God cares about it. But that is not our identity. Uh, How many remember the voice of the Detroit Tigers, Ernie Harwell? How many remember that name? Okay, Ernie, for years, play-by-play guy, radio, in the Hall of Fame, statue down at Comerica Park. Uh, Ernie used to always come to chapel, and guys loved having Ernie in chapel, because whenever we would read scripture, they'd say, hey, let Ernie read it. It just sounded more spiritual, like it was Moses or something. And Ernie one day went to speak at a retirement home. And when he walked in, it was like a a center desk, and there were four wings. And so he walked into one of the wings, he was there to speak like at a luncheon. And uh, there was an elderly gentleman sitting right here, and so Ernie walked up and said, hey, how are you today? Um, I'm here uh, to speak. And the guy was confused, didn't recognize Ernie, know who he was or anything. And so Ernie said to him, well, do you know who I am? And the guy said, no, but if you go to that desk down there, they can tell you." (laughs) (laughs) One day we'll all be there, folks. Uh, And so, uh, and you know what? It's just a reminder. Hey, even Ernie Harwell is not to be identified because he's the voice of the Detroit Tigers. We all do it. And sometimes we over-evaluate ourselves. Sometimes we underevaluate ourselves. Don't get caught in the trap of being identified by just what you do. Uh, another thing that sometimes we mistakenly do is we identify ourselves by where we've been. You ever go away over the winter, you know, a nice vacation? And we always come back, if you went somewhere warm, you come back kind of like, well, your chest puffed out a little bit. Like, yep, yeah, <clears throat> we were in the islands. You know, don't even have to say an we were in the islands. And uh, you know, it wasn't Greenland or Iceland. It was uh, warm weather. And we do that. We go somewhere. What do we often buy and bring home and wear? We get the t shirt, right? Hey, look where I was. I, I was there. Uh, how many you save ticket stubs to ball games? Okay, or rock concerts or whatever. We do. Hey, I was, I was there. Look, I, I, was, I was there then. Uh, how many, you know, this year in a couple months will be the 50th anniversary of one of the biggest events of all time in the last, you know, number of years. Uh, Woodstock. 50 years ago, Woodstock, rock concert, upstate New York, uh, three or four day rock festival in 1969. Um, they say that 400,000 people were at Woodstock. That's kind of the official estimate. I always like to ask when I speak, were any of you at Woodstock? Anyone? I've had people say yes. Here's what they say. If you remember being at Woodstock, you really weren't at Woodstock. (laughs) That's what they say. So 400,000 people were at Woodstock. Do you know they did a census? 11 million people claimed to have been there. Because we all want that, I was there, I was there. And sometimes we identify ourselves wrongly that way. Uh, A third one that we are are guilty of is um, who I know. Uh, We get autographs. Uh, Nowadays, you take a what? Selfie. You run into someone famous. hey, hey, can we do a selfie? Can we do a selfie? Um, We we think it's significant, and I'm not knocking any of it, uh, who I know. Well, I know so-and-so. A number of years ago, um, oh, not that many years ago, a few years ago, uh, one of our Tiger players uh, was with us two years, really dear brother in Christ, Tori Hunter. How many remember Tori? And so Tori uh, was an outfielder with us, played for the Twins, and I'll go on the road and do Bible studies with the guys. So sometimes uh, they were down one year playing in Tampa, and they stayed at a hotel in St. Pete, and so I went down for a couple days, did a Bible study with the guys, and Tori and I went out to eat, did it one day for lunch. We went to a little deli in uh, downtown St. Pete there and sat out front in a little outdoor area they had to eat our sandwiches. And so we were there eating and as we were eating, two guys uh, came walking down the sidewalk. We were there eating and they did this. And I saw them go by and a couple minutes later, same two guys. (laughs) And a couple minutes later, third time, same, same thing. And I knew what was going on. They obviously recognized who I was. And um, <laughs> that's not true. But they recognized Tori. And I mean, you know, interrupted our meal, which was fine, they, they're used to it. And uh, they wanted me to take the picture of them. I wasn't asked to be in the picture. <laughs> and I'm not bitter about it. But, um, but uh, you know what, and uh, Tori, you're the and I, I had to stop and say, guys, he's a good guy, but he ain't as great as you're making him out to be here. Um, but we like when I know him. Uh, sometimes <coughs> uh, we mistakenly identify ourselves by uh, what we have. How much I have. Hey, we, we moved into the new house. Yeah, we, we got uh, so many square feet. We moved up. Uh, got the new boat. Yeah, we had the 28-footer. We went to the 32-footer. Uh, and, and sometimes we just like to be known By what we have. Jesus doesn't identify us that way. He's not impressed. Excuse me. Uh, Sometimes, hey, I've got so many acres. And uh, nothing wrong with owning acres. But if if it's what identifies you. Remember the story in the Bible, the rich young man? uh, I will tear down my barns and build bigger. And I'll store my stuff in my big house, in my big barn, and keep it. And so guys and gals and uh, saying to myself, let's not be identified by what we have. The stuff we have are tools for this life and they're temporary. They're not gonna last forever. Uh, one guy that I really like reading about, I like his music a lot, uh, is a guy named Rich, M- uh, Rich Mullins. How many remember that name, Rich Mullins? He wrote the song and sang Awesome God. How many know that song? And uh, made a ton of money writing for other people, and then his own music. He's got some wonderful music. He's with the Lord now. He died really at a younger age uh, in a car accident. He and a buddy were on their way to uh, his passion, really beyond music, was working on Indian reservations, uh, helping them and sharing Christ's love there. And uh, so Rich made a ton of money, but for at least a good portion of his life, you know what he did? He told his financial people, hey, Invest it, save it, give it away. Uh, send me what the average worker in America makes a year. And that's what we lived off of. He wasn't gonna be consumed and caught up by, hey, here's how much I have. Uh, we got a guy in the Tigers who got some notoriety when he came to us, uh, Daniel Norris. Daniel came up, he's from Tennessee, came up in the Blue Jays organization, then came over here uh, <clears throat> about five years ago. And now is a starting pitcher on the team. And Daniel... Um, when he was a minor leaguer, he signed a big signing bonus out of high school, a big signing bonus. But when he was a minor leaguer, you know what he lived in? He lived in a VW van in spring training. He parked it in the Walmart parking lot. He had a hot plate in the van. Uh, His bed was in the van. He would use the bathrooms in the Walmart to shower and clean up. And he said, yeah, I just don't need much. Um, When he got his signing bonus... Him and some other kids his age that also got big signing bonuses, they all went out to the mall to spend some of it. And guys were getting iPhones and the latest computer and this and that and others. Daniel got one item. He got a T-shirt. I said, what are you doing? He said, I needed a T-shirt. And he said, I asked him today, he still has it today. And he still got that T-shirt. And I'm not saying he's perfect with it, but the idea and the reminder is, you know what, let's not let money and what we have identify us doesn't matter and then folks a final one that sometimes we're guilty of allowing to identify us is what I've done and there's two ways really to look at that sometimes the good stuff I've done you know I've been at this church so many years I I was there when we built that part of the building and I've been around here and now my time to kind of kick back and enjoy it or um, I started that ministry I served there 40 years faithfully I served there for 10 years. I'm there every week. Uh, and you know what? We, we get stuck in our little rut of the past. You know God says? Hey, I may have some things in the future that I want to identify you differently in. Maybe there's some other things that I've got for you to do. And, and God uh, wants to identify us beyond what we've done and maybe what he wants to do in our lives. And there's another way to look at that statement too. Sometimes... We let things we've done in the past that are negative identify us. Maybe a past sin. Maybe a past broken relationship. Maybe a past failure. And you know what the devil's great about doing? Is identifying us by that. And having us live under the shadow of that guilt. And God's just the opposite. A story that I really enjoy reading in the Bible, not because of what happened, but uh, seeing God's love in it, is the story of David and Bathsheba. Remember that story? David's king in Israel. He commits adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. Uh, She gets pregnant. He arranges to have her husband, who was one of his soldiers, killed in battle. And now he thinks he's free and clear. He's kind of trying to cover his tracks. And um, takes Bathsheba into the palace to be one of his wives, to kind of even look like the good guy in the whole thing. And a prophet, a preacher of that day, a prophet by the name of Nathan, who God spoke to, said, hey, Nathan, go to David, and said, David, I know what you've done, and pretty soon the whole nation's going to know, and David, one of the results of all this is that baby uh, is going to die, and, um, and it's really a, a powerful story when you see David praying, uh, fasting, kind of finally broken about his sin. He writes two Psalms about it, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, and the baby dies. And David makes a wonderful statement. I ought to encourage everyone, if you've ever lost a baby, is, um, hey, one day I'll go to be with that baby. Meaning, well, I'm going to see that baby get in heaven. He makes that statement. And then uh, he and Bathsheba conceive a second child. And when she's getting close to birth, guess who comes walking back up David's front walk? Here comes Nathan the prophet again. Do you know if I'm David in that story, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, shoot, God ain't ever going to let me get over this. He's going to hold this against me the rest of my life. That's what I'm thinking. And I don't want to talk to David. You know, or uh, Nathan. And Nathan comes in, and you know what he says? He had a second message from God. You know what Nathan said? Hey, David, Bathsheba, the child that you're about to have is going to be a boy. And uh, we know him as what? Solomon, who wrote some books in the Bible, was a king. But Nathan says, hey, uh, name the boy, this is kind of a nickname, name the boy Jedidiah. You know what the word Jedidiah means? Loved by God. Wow. Isn't that good? Hey, you blew it, David and Bathsheba. You made a mistake. There were consequences that came about through it. But listen, don't ever forget you're loved by God. And folks, don't let what you've done, good or bad, identify you. Let God identify you as one who's loved by him. So what a wonderful story. I identify who Jesus is correctly. My destiny is sealed. And you know what Jesus wants to do in my life? He wants to identify me and who I am in this life, and he wants to identify you. So two questions. Have you identified who Christ is? Do you know him as your savior? After you answer that question is only when the second one can be answered then he identifies you and me, who we are, and what we're to be about in this life. Don't forget that. There was an actor uh, a number of years ago, uh, back when TV was still black and white, uh, named Hugh O'Brien. How many remember the actors name Hugh O'Brien? So what did Hugh O'Brien star in? What TV show? The Rifleman. He was the Rifleman, Okay. And Hugh O'Brien <clears throat> described his life and his career this way. Uh, after it was over, he said there was five stages to my career and my life. The first stage was people saying, "Who is Hugh O'Brien?" They never heard of him. And then, as he began to uh, go up in his career, uh, a lot of people were saying, "Get me Hugh O'Brien." That was the second stage. Then he was, when he was at the pinnacle of his career, people would say, get me someone like Hugh O'Brien. Because he was too hard to get. And then as he tailed down a little bit, people would say, get me a young Hugh O'Brien. <laughs> <coughs> and then the last stage of his career, people said, who's Hugh O'Brien? Isn't that true? When we identify ourselves by the temporal things of this life, Man, we're thrown back and forth as to who we are. Let Christ identify who you are after you identify him. (coughs) Father, we rejoice in uh, your word and your love for us, what Jesus has done for us. And God, I pray that um, each person here would answer that question for themselves today. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And uh, make sure, Father, that that is answered correctly, that he is my Savior, my Lord, my King, my Savior. And then, Father, after that's happened in a person's life, may we live the rest of our life here in this earth letting you identify us and what we're to be and what we're to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.